Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. My name is Laura Gregg, and I'm here with my co-host, David Partain. How are you doing, David? Hello, Laura. Well, it is Friday the 13th, so we'll see how we're doing. Uh, On this podcast, we talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry, and we seek to find guests that provide unique insights and actionable ideas for our advisor audience that wants to fine-tune or grow their business, all while deepening the all-important client relationship. And, you know, David, while we all suffer through grief and loss at some point, This year has been an unexpectedly difficult year. The pandemic, which has taken so many lives and the loss of lives that we've seen unfold on television sets in front of us, which sparked those ongoing global protests for racial and social inequities, have just really been in front of us this whole year. Yeah, that's that is true, Laura. I think I saw one of the few yard signs that uh, once the election was over was still up was a sign that said 2020 sucks. I do believe that it has been a, a really a year none of us will ever forget. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm 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 delighted to bring our guest today, Christopher Hill onto the podcast. I I first learned about Christopher when I read an article that he had penned right in the midst of the racial protests. He's going to talk to us about several things today, about the commitment that his firm has made to make a difference as it relates to diversity and just functioning in these times, and also about their rebranding as Ambient Financial Advisors and the The rebrand, which launched in March at the start of the pandemic, was really focused on helping clients who were in or soon to be in a transition due to a meaningful loss of life or livelihood. All of this really struck a chord with me. And as many of our listeners know, in in late 2019, FlexShares conducted an investor and an advisor survey to try to understand how firms were building advisory teams, and whether or not they were making conscious decisions to make those teams more diverse. And we also surveyed high net worth investors, and we wanted to learn from these investors or clients the importance diversity played when they were seeking an advisory team to support them. While the the research covers diversity of all types, racial, generational, gender, LGBTQ. I have to admit, and David, you and I have talked about this before, it's been a bit awkward for us as two middle-aged white folks. Just and so long I, as you I don't mean, use the the two older white folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people would, would suggest that, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go with middle age. Thank you very but, much. You know, We've been we've been talking about it. it it's some it's somewhat awkward to to share mm-hmm. this research in this time of 
racial inequity and all of the focus on that. When I met Christopher a while back, he relayed to me the same strange feeling that he has also had in talking with clients as a younger white man about some of these issues. However, the intersection of the grief that's been going on in our country, along with the focus of ambient, cannot be ignored, he told me. And today, when we talk to Chris, we're going to ask him to tell us about why his firm settled on creating a niche around grief and loss. Also, I'm I'm looking forward to learning uh, the years of work that he and his firm did to brand and develop their strategy before launching the spring. And, you know, the obvious question of how to market a firm based on serving those transitioning through grief and loss specifically. And then finally, how and when the intersection of racial and social justice moved to the forefront of Ambient's long-term business plan. So welcome to the podcast, Christopher. We're so delighted to have you. Hey, it's great to be here, Laura and David. Thank you for having me on. Well, Christopher, thank you for joining us today. And before we get started on the marketing side of this, tell us a little bit about your background, your firm, and the clients that you serve. Sure. We are a planning-centric advisory firm, and our purpose is to introduce order and stability to the financial turmoil associated with a significant grief event. We enter into that space so that individuals and their families can focus on healing, building a new vision for their financial future that provides a sense of security, opportunity, uh, and hope. We are a family business. My father actually started what is now Ambient uh, in 1984, so Mm. very long time ago. And I came on about three and a half years ago after spending a decade working in the nonprofit world. We currently work with around 80 families, most of whom we have been with for 10, 20, 30 years. However, only about 20% of our families are local here in Colorado, uh, where our firm is based. The rest are spread out all over the United States and also in Mexico after decades of of cross-border planning that we did. As a marketing professional and as a student of marketing, I I really find it fascinating that you're able to create a, a meaningful and memorable brand And I'm impressed to hear that you devoted such a significant amount of time in assessing and launching the Ambient brand when we were speaking before the podcast. Tell us about the journey to this new brand. Yeah, it it was a journey for sure. Our our firm was formerly Global Wealth Management Group. And we we focused, as I just mentioned, we focused on cross-border financial planning and investment management. However, over the course of around a decade, our, our own family, we are a family practice, right? So our own family and community went through some very significant transitions and some very significant losses that, to put it bluntly, changed our way of life. Those events kind of rearranged our thinking about the financial planning process in general. Uh, we experienced firsthand in our family how deep grief impacts someone financially by rupturing the life that you you thought you knew. We also realized that most of our clients that we were already working with started their relationship with us 
because of a big transition event or a big loss event in their own lives. We decided to rebrand our entire firm uh, to specifically help grieving people with their finances. A lot changed. Some things didn't, but some of the things that did change, we, we had a whole new name, so kind of a facelift of the entire firm. Probably one of the biggest changes that happened is we developed a new process, a new financial planning process specific for our firm. The simplest way to put that, to put how that process works is instead of providing just one general process for anyone that walks through the door, we have specific roadmaps that help someone through the specific event or the specific timing of an event that has happened in their life. So we have roadmaps for for families that are preparing for a significant transition or grief event. We have roadmaps for families who are recovering from that and also depending on whether they were expecting to be in this position or not. So it's really a new lens through which to see a person's financial planning journey that has has begun in our firm through this rebranding. Yeah, I love the fact that it 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 seems like to me for for you and the firm you took a very personal and painful situation and turned it almost into passion for others and for your business. And that just, that, why wouldn't that work? I mean, everything that we read about entrepreneurs is to take that and, and really build into something. And so you are to be congratulated for making that change. And so how substantial was that rebranding? It sounds like it was global for you in terms of everything. And how did you determine the process that you went about with the rebranding to help other advisors that may be thinking about this? It was a very long process. So I, I don't know if I mentioned mm-hmm. this, but it was it was about two years long of a process. And in the grand scheme of our firm's history, that's, that's not much. But once you have a, a business running with, clients that still need to be served going through a robust rebranding process is it's a lot of time it's like a, having a yeah. second job a few things that that i would kind of highlight through the through the process everyone as in terms of uh, financial advisors a lot of advisors have a stance on the pros and cons of niching your practice and i would even say hyper niching your practice most of those pros and cons revolve around profitability or or a greater firm focus or the ease of marketing. But for us, and you mentioned this, David, one of the greatest reasons we believe for, for focusing your firm as an advisor is you end up lining up your heart with your service. Yeah. You know, and a niche, yeah, a niche service exists where your own life experience, your your best skills or your team's best skills, and your greatest convictions all come together, all collide. Hmm. Uh, and so that that was a that's a huge part that we love to bring up because that's something that we learned for ourselves through the process. Another thing, you know, money is an issue for a lot of firms looking to market and looking to rebrand, and it, sometimes that is the barrier standing in the way. I would say spend good money on a branding process. Maybe maybe don't just try to piecemeal all of your marketing or rebranding efforts uh, by yourself. Choose a team. Choose a team who will poke holes in your your hypothesis, poke holes in your business plan, poke holes in 
how you will be a sustainable business over the long term. Choose a team that will find out what people actually need and want, not just assuming we know what they need and want. So that was a huge part of our process is our our rebranding team actually went out into our community and asked everyday people, what is it that you're looking for from a financial advisor if you were to be in these situations or if you have been in these situations? And we learned so many perspectives about what people actually think about financial advisors, what people are actually looking for. And that that helped us to kind of hone our vision for this rebrand a lot better. So Christopher, just to be clear, you hired, you went outside of your business to find marketing expertise to help you with this? Yes, we did. We did a lot of research within our own our own space as financial advisors. And we ultimately settled on a third party who does, doesn't even specialize in rebranding for financial advisors necessarily. We chose that because they had this outside perspective coming in. And it, it was a, a huge learning experience for us because there's a lot of functions of a financial advisory firm that are not necessarily clear to the outside world or to the everyday world. So it was a great experience. Yeah, this is this sounds like great advice for uh, other advisors that may be considering it. Is there any other advice that you would give your advisor peers that are, are listening to this going, man, I need to do this? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to, to think about and you're probably immediately met with all of the, the cons of it. But it is for sure a long, a long play, a long term ambition. And we don't pretend to have our brand perfectly nailed, you know, only whatever it is, six months into this and uh, fresh from a, a pandemic and a market crash. It's hard to get started, but once you get started, it's really encouraging. And it's also, it also provides something exciting in the everyday experience of a financial advisor to be working on the business rather than just in the business. So what you're saying is that you're not ready to run a Super Bowl commercial at this time. No, no, <laughs> no. Heard those are very expensive. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, so, uh, one one last question for me, and I'm just because I'm thinking about this this niche uh, of grieving, and it it can't be easy. So, can you tell us what you're doing to find clients that can utilize your compassionate services? The the marketing of of a of working with people that are in pain is is completely different. You know, we had to flip a lot on its head from the traditional way of marketing, but it actually is really simple. And and we think it should be. Our goal is to become visible enough that when people need us the most, you know, in the most trying times of their life, they can find us with minimal effort. That's kind of the, the broad way of explaining that where, where we get down to business in that is we are, building an ecosystem and have built an ecosystem of what we call triage points past your usual centers of influence. So if you think about someone going through a transition or if you have gone through something like this, an event as significant as, you know, losing someone or being diagnosed or, you know, the list goes on, you know that there are certain front lines of support that we reach out to first. Financial advisors are not usually the front line 
of that support system, people don't usually reach out straight to their financial advisor. They could be reaching out to a traditional center of influence, like an estate planning attorney or their tax professional. They could also be reaching straight out to their church or a, uh, a grief therapist for that matter. We've, we have developed a, a very robust ecosystem of professional partners that are the, on the front lines with these people every day and just holding ourselves out as a resource to them as well. So it, it, it's actually really simple, but a little bit more systematic than your normal you know, center of influence referral system, I would say. Mm-hmm. So Christopher, when, when we spoke a while back, you, you said something that really resonated with me. You talked about 2020 being for so, so many, a year where there has been a wholesale loss of certainty. And we so often think of loss in terms of death or loss of a job, but but really this year has thrown everyone a previously unimaginable curveball. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about the conversations that you were having with your current clients, maybe those who might not currently been in transition, but who were upended with that, that feeling of loss of certainty. Sure, everyone listening to this podcast has has their own version of of the loss of certainty. For our firm, the the definition of grief that we use is the normal and natural reaction to a loss of any kind. And it's also the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or a change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And it's that familiar pattern of behavior uh, that we have we have seen ruptured the most this year for people. There are plenty of stories of of people actually losing loved ones, people actually losing their jobs. But the the concentration, the what we have seen the most of, is what is called anticipatory grief. So it, it's pre-loss grieving, to put it simply. An event happens, uh, like a pandemic hits or a stock market crashes. Our brains are automatically geared to start preparing for what we think will happen. And when these really big global events happened in our world early this year, or just started earlier this year, for a lot of us, we started asking the really hard questions. What does this mean for me? What am I going to do moving forward? And for some of us, we lost our certainty for our future that we thought we had. It actually, it really affects how people approach their money. Some of a person can change their entire risk tolerance in a matter of days on an account, or they can request to go back into our financial planning process to talk more about, you know, how their family had had treated finances when they were growing up and realizing that they have some of those same tendencies. So those are all real world examples that we dealt with. Anticipatory grief is what we saw the most of this year um, in terms of a loss of certainty. Yeah, that behavioral aspect has been, you know, so it's always an important one, but I think this year it, it shines a different kind of light on it. And, you know, you also mentioned to me that, 
you experienced a, a loss of certainty. And in, in the blog post where that I read, you shared that you had uh, what you were calling your Plan B wedding, two week honeymoon that actually took place one week after the death of George Floyd. So, first of all, congratulations to you on your marriage. And secondly, I'm hoping that you can share some of the the thoughts that you put so eloquently in that blog post that remains on the Ambient website. And, you know, why did you feel the need to write that post and and share it? Well, first off, thank you. We, (laughs) it's been a wild ride to say the least, being a, a COVID wedding and trying to organize family around that. The lens that our firm views racial inequality, racial inequity, and racial inclusion through is is the grief lens. Racial tension is one of the biggest sources of grief in existence because it is it's one of the truest things about your identity, but all of a sudden or over time it is being discarded, disrespected, disregarded. Grief care is not a game of words. It's a game of presence and space. How are we to be present in the midst of pain of loss? We decided to show our team's process in being, being present, in showing up to the conversation. We, we shared about our financial giving to organizations that are helping lower the barrier to entry for underrepresented advisors. We shared our plans to hire soon with an inclusive mindset so that our diverse client families can work with a, a, a diverse team uh, in an inclusive firm culture. We also shared our big dreams for financial literacy help at local schools, as well as an inner firm tract for our employees to inevitably own their own advisory firm. That was kind of what we outlined in that in that blog post, also while highlighting for, for people who weren't necessarily in the know what we're seeing in our industry in terms of racial inequality, inequity, and inclusion within firms. I want to commend uh, you and the, and the whole ambient firm for, for taking that stance because, you know, the bottom line is that all of these inequities, whether they affect us most directly or not very directly, they all impact, it impacts all of us to see those, those clear things that you're trying to advance just leaves me with a a good feeling that what what began at the end of May with George Floyd is, is an ongoing movement and less of a moment. Earlier, I mentioned the the awkwardness of, of being white and I'm assuming for you, especially as a white male, and raising conversations about these inequities that occur in our society and, and also importantly in our industry. It is important to us, but of course, we can't truly understand uh, understand all of the emotions around it. So I'm, I'm hoping you'll share how and why you had conversations with your clients about this, uh, what the response has been uh, from your Black and Latinx friends and colleagues when, when you bring this up. 
yeah, it, it, it's awkward and uncomfortable to to talk about the awkwardness and discomfort <laughs> as well. <laughs> Some people have the opinion that by by using my voice, by using our voice in this conversation, I'm trying to fight someone else's fight, and that I'm walking too close to just showing off my white guilt or checking a box or using this as a marketing ploy and we've done a lot of deep thinking and, and reflective thinking about this. And I think that all of these hesitations are, are literally what keep people from entering the conversation in the first place. When you educate yourself on the present day inequality, inequity, and the lack of diversity in our industry, and then you sit with the idea that as a person with my skin tone, my gender, my sexual orientation, I can walk away from these discussions without being material, materially affected. When you think about those things and lay that reality over it, it should weigh so heavy. And, and for us, it weighs really heavy. And if we think that systematic oppression does not influence a person's financial planning, we are truly missing the humanity of money tradition and behavior. As for my own personal conversations with friends and family and, and even clients, I'll tell you what I've learned. When some of the most recent events happened, it, it seems like many white people kind of came out of the woodwork asking questions like, what can we do? And what exactly is it that I have done? And to be brutally honest and with myself as well, I think that this has been overwhelming for the Black black and Latinx communities, all the while they are being filled with their own sadness, their own grief, their own anger, frustration, and, and fear. You know, everyone needs space to process their own thoughts and feelings. When someone experiences a significant onset of grief, the last thing you do with that person is jump straight to how it's affecting you by asking, you know, what can I do to fix this? Or or making someone prove that their grief is merited. Because this immediately shifts the focus to yourself and your feelings in the conversation. We believe that navigating the conversation of racial injustice should be treated in the exact same way. We'll be the first to say that we can all be, a, be doing a, a better job in those conversations. Yeah, that, I mean, such great points that you make, Christopher. And I, I remember reaching out before we were to give a presentation on diversity to an all black and brown group and, and saying to the gentleman who brought us in, expressing the awkwardness. And he said, it's awkward if, if you feel like you want to be an ally and an advocate for change, but you don't talk. And so mm, it shouldn't yeah. matter who you're talking to, if it's people that are affected or people that are affected uh, on the peripheral the important thing is, unless we're all talking about this, change won't happen. I, I found those words truly heartfelt and very helpful uh, for me. So, you know, thank, yeah. thank you for your insights. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's a, those are really great points. Well, Christopher, thank you. I love the term anticipatory grief. That's, I've never heard that. That's really, that's really great. 
Christopher, Laura shared with me that you found our diversity research and our podcast before we actually found you. So it's sometimes easy for Laura and I to feel like we're in an echo chamber. So knowing that you found that information to be additive to your work was really meaningful to both of us. So thank you for that. And thank you for being on the Flexible Advisor today. Well, if you would like to know more about Ambient Financial Advisors, just go to ambientfinancialadvisors.com. That's A-M-B-I-E-N-T, financialadvisors.com. At Shows, we are committed to continue to have conversations around the topic of diversity in all forms. This is, of course, a real business issue as more and more research substantiates that diverse organizations deliver better business results. In our industry in particular, it is critical as we look forward to a huge demographic shift in the U.S. population and wealth over the next generation. And in that generation, white people will be a minority of the U.S. population and wealth trends will continue to shift to other demographics. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.